This is my guest, Clint Baldwin. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. All right, thanks everybody for watching uh, Competing in Cornfields. I'm here with Chuck Joseph. And this is my guest, Clint Baldwin. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. That's how it works. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so, yeah, uh, Chuck, um, you were at the Josh fight last weekend mm -hmm. in Air Park, uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. I was wondering, like, uh, can you maybe tell us, like, the origins of this fight, uh, how that came about, and what it was like being there? So, yeah, some guy named Josh found everybody else named Josh that he could on Facebook and then um, just sent them a message challenging them to a fight with, like, random <laughs> coordinates in the middle of the country, which just happened to be Lincoln, Nebraska. And so uh, that was, like, a year ago. And then um, uh, when, like, a year later came and this had a lot of attention, they found out that that was on some random guy's private property, so they decided not to do it there and moved it to Air Park. But basically, like, thousands of people showed up, and a lot of them were named Josh. And they all just met in a park and fought each other with pool noodles. Um, a little kid won, got, like, a wrestling belt. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the kind of overview of what happened there. So they were just using pool noodles? Were there, was there anything? Oh, you said that there was some, you know what I mean, like, uh, well-thought-out tools. Like, somebody had, like, a mace or something like that? Yeah, or, that was probably the most yeah. creative one was uh, some guy had, like, uh, like, he made, like, a pole. And then, like, with a rope tied around it. And then on the other end of the rope, there was, like, a net that held a giant beach ball. Like a like a like a like a inflatable ball, so it was like a like a flail, and he was just going around just fucking dudes up, just like smacking them with the beach ball. Right, and uh, you know what's crazy to me, and I I don't think it's crazy. I'm like I'm like happy about it that there wasn't any like real violence. That was a little disappointing. That I know of. I found that disappointing. You found that disappointing? Yeah. No, I find that no. Like I like to live in Nebraska, where you know be, Nebraska nice, right? I, Nebraska, calm and nice. I don't know. That's There's, a slogan. If you're fighting to maintain your name, because the idea was whoever um, whoever won the fight was the only one that was allowed to still be called Josh. Everybody else had to change their name. If you're fighting to defend your name, you're going to fight as hard as you can with that pool noodle. I saw one guy, he could barely see out of one of his eyes because he got like fucked up with a pool noodle. Right, but the thing, well, they weren't like calling TKOs. How does, no, how does somebody just, win? How does one win? People give up? So the way the winner actually won is that he was a little kid and he was really cute, so they said that he won. Oh. Yeah. Well, that works, too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was cool. But we, uh, did you, did you know that we, were, like, collected a bunch of food and shit like that? Oh, can you expand on that? Yeah. My friend, uh, my friend Betsy that I work with, she, uh, she kind of organized, like, a food drive as part of the Josh fight. And so, um, like, I just rode with her. The idea was that we would just, like, pick up the food in her car and then just, like, drop it off. The problem was that we ended up getting 1,800 pounds of food. It was in a dumpster, a giant dumpster, right? Well, no, that dumpster that you see in that picture is, like, a, it's like a food donation bin outside of the food bank that normally holds all the food. But then, like, we didn't, there wasn't room in it. So oh, it so it overflowed. Out. Yeah. Well, that's great. 1,800 pounds, a literal ton. Was it good stuff? I mean, like, I would eat it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, dude, I'm, like, the least picky eater on the planet. I'm just saying that sometimes you you could get weird canned foods. You could get, nah, like, maybe a pet stuff. food. There was, like, Capri Sun. There was <laughs> Campbell's Chunky. Like, this is some good shit, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you glad that uh, Fat Boy wasn't unleashed 
down there or else I would have. I was really tempted to just like take shit out of it. I'm like, I'm poor too. Hold on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm working this thing. Let me pop one of the candles. Yeah. I'll no, there it. was some nice yeah, shit in there. I'm sure. Oh, uh, roasted jalapenos. You ever had that? Those canned roasted jalapenos? No. Oh, the shit. That's how you make good salsa. That sounds Some good. meaty family is going to make some bomb ass salsa. Yeah. No, I hope they do. <laughs> That's good. Uh, and so uh, you started a new show. I do want to get around to that. I was wondering if you could tell us like a little bit about your uh, background, like growing up and things like that. Or... Mm-hmm. I grew up a poor black white child. No, I do you know what that's from? That's from a movie. No, you're unsophisticated. You would have no idea about that. Yeah. What movie? Yeah. I like movies. It's from The Jerk. Bill Murray? I've heard of it. I've heard of it. No. No, I don't know. Like, uh, what do you mean by my background? Like, or I don't know. Okay, so like, um, right, maybe tell us, uh, tell us about your show, and then uh, did your background uh, in, oh, influence your okay. show? That makes sense. You know? Yeah. No, my background definitely influenced my show. Or my, uh, like, the content that I make. So, like, I do live streams on Twitch. And then I also do, um, well, I'm working on making YouTube videos and that sort of thing. And I just make videos about all kinds of stuff. But I think what you're talking about is the cults, the cult stuff. That's the most of what I've seen. Well, that's mostly what I've been doing. So, yeah, for sure. Right. (laughs) No, like, I, uh, my background that influenced that is that I grew up in, like, um, uh, either way. It varied a lot, but... Like, I grew up in kind of extreme, an extreme religious background. So, like, um, the churches that I went to when I was, like, a really little kid were normal. But then, um, as I grew older, we started going to these churches that are part of Assemblies of God. I don't know if you've heard of that, the Assemblies of God denomination. It's a pretty big denomination. It's, like, the biggest um, uh, charismatic or Pentecostal denomination. Do you know what I mean when I say charismatic or Pentecostal? Uh, it's appealing to some people, maybe. It's like speaking in tongues and prophesying oh. and all that really wild shit. And like in extreme cases, sometimes they like take up serpents and shit like that, like handle venomous snakes. We didn't do that. My snake, my, my church wasn't that cool. But we did lots of like uh, like prophesying and uh, speaking in tongues. Like um, when I was at church, it was like more like actually at the church itself, it was more normal stuff because it was kind of a more mild. Um, um, congregation within that system. They wanted to keep getting members. Right, but then like when they would take us to like the camp, like the summer camps for teenagers and stuff like that, they would just go full bore. Like craziest shit. Like have you ever seen um, the movie Jesus Camp? The documentary? No. Oh, okay. oh, I think maybe, was that in Arkansas or? I'm not sure where it was. It might have been Arkansas. I've seen something like that before on HBO Yeah, for sure. it's about a camper. They have like little kids. And they do the kind of stuff that we used to do at summer camp. They kind of go a little bit harder. Like, there's a scene that's really famous where, like, there's all these little kids, like, and they're bowed down and reaching their hands out and, like, praying to a cardboard cutout of George Bush. Oh. That's just pretty wild. We never did that. But, like, (laughs) (laughs) but they definitely, like, held, um, like, uh, Republican politicians. Yeah, you can pick her up or whatever. Um... Oh. In very high regard. Like, we prayed for George Bush. I remember that. I remember being led in a prayer for George W. Bush. This is post-9-11? Yeah, exactly. Um, so all the weird political stuff. But then, like, the craziest thing is there are people that would, like, sp- supposedly speak for God. I don't know. I don't know what your religious background is. In your church that you went to when you were a kid, did they ever have, like, prophecy and stuff like that? I don't... 
I know. I've just been uh, like Protestant Christian yeah. like my whole life, basically, and uh, nothing crazy. Well, there's a lot of variety among Protestant Christians. Yeah, uh, nothing, nothing weird. Yeah. So, so like the shit that I grew up in was was kind of more towards the extreme end, but not like way on the fringe. But it was still pretty weird. Like there's people <laughs> where like God is like talking through them. Like they would start. They would say uh, basically the code word was "Thus saith the Lord." If they say that, that means God is talking through that person. And whatever words come out of that mouth, that was God's words. And they always spoke in King James English for some reason. That's what God speaks, is King James English. They never went out of character? No. <laughs> and, then, um, and, like, like it's the craziest shit. Like, um, sometimes they would just deliver general religious messages. messages, But sometimes they would get really specific. Like, I remember my youth pastor was thinking about whether to go to college or not. And he told this, like, prophetess that was running this camp that we went to. And I think it was in the winter. And then in one of the services, she starts prophesying and God is talking through her. And, like, tells this guy that he should stop being a youth pastor and should go to college. And so he did that because this chick told him to, saying that God told him to do that. So that, like, that's the kind of, like, weird culty shit that I grew up in. And then, um, you know, as a teenager... And then as I got older, the kind of things that I was taught in that system and uh, also just kind of like my own psychological shit, it drove me to getting into involved in the anti-abortion pro-life movement. And uh, I became exposed to a different cult, that, like, a, like, a, like, a, like a really culty cult that I actually joined when I was 18 and like lived on their property and like worked in full time. How, how similar was it to Waco? Not at all. Not at all? No. So there's like... But, hold on, but... Uh, I don't know, just keep going. No, what were you saying? I want, to, I want to hear your question. Well, was it like mostly wholesome besides like the the wife stealing and stuff like that? Well, wholesome is debatable. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of people, like conservative Christians would take a look at the stuff that we did and they probably would like most of it if they were like super hardcore conservative Christians. Um, but like moderates would be like, oh, that was gross. Or like, uh, or if you're if you're any kind of liberal Christian, you would have just thought like, why why are these people doing this? Like, this is bad. Um, but uh, there wasn't like wife sharing and stuff like that. But was there like cool that. rock bands? Everybody working together? You know? No, there was definitely a lot of work. <laughs> the work work sounds very yeah, familiar. Yeah, work. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's like levels to to cults, right? Um, like, have you ever heard of the bite model? No. Um, so it stands for. I took notes. So it's like, a, it's like these four criteria by which you judge an organization or a movement or whatever to determine if it's a cult. I don't think it's a perfect model because it leaves a lot of stuff out. So like if a, if a cult doesn't meet the bite model, it still might be a cult. But if your organization meets the bite model, it's definitely a cult. And so, the, um, so yeah, the, it stands for B, behavior control, I, information control, T, thought control, and E, emotion control. And then there's, like, specific um, things for each one, like, uh, where you would rate it to try to see, like, oh, is this a strong thing? Is it severe? Do they do it at all? And if they have several in each category, they're probably a cult. <laughs> so, like, you can see I did this for this organization, and they have something in every single category, more than one in every single category. And then I rated them from, uh, from moderate to severe, and um, if you look at the moderate to severe rating, they don't have a lot of stuff in severe. 
So it's not as if they're like a particularly egregious cult, but they're like definitely a cult because they meet all the criteria, if that makes sense. Uh, can you leave? <laughs> I mean, you're allowed to leave, but it's kind of hard. So like uh, leaving, that's a good example. That goes under, um, I don't know which one of these it would go under exactly. Steve Hassan, who came behavior. up with the bite model. Yeah, kind of behavior, behavior probably. I can't recall exactly. But um, the reason it would be hard to leave is a lot of people kind of got trapped there because um, it caters to young people, the, the cult that I was in. So the cult was like a radical anti-abortion uh, like uh, cult, right? And so um, there was all sorts of denominations of people that would go into it. There's Catholics. There's Protestants of all different sorts of stripes. Was it all Christian? or? Yeah, you were required to be a Christian. Okay, okay. Yeah. You had to go to a church every Sunday morning if you wanted to be there. Um, but the That's kind the, of base. <laughs> anyway. anyway. <laughs> but the reason that people would get trapped is because it would attract very young people mm-hmm. who didn't have a lot of money. And so you would join it. Teenagers. Um, yeah, so you had to be 18 to, to, to do oh, what you I had did. Oh, Yeah, okay. Because, like, what I did was I joined this team where we worked basically full-time, and we would take, um, like, this is where I lose friends, so, like, this is weird to talk about, but we would get these big, like, five-by-three signs, um, on one side of them, it would have a big... Five-foot-by-three? Five-foot-by-three-foot, yeah, exactly. On one side, it would have a big picture of an aborted fetus, just a straight-up photograph of an aborted baby. Black and white? No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was pretty, pretty graphic. Yeah. And then um, on the other side, it would have, like, all sorts of, like, informational stuff. And so we would go to college campuses and then outside of high school campuses when I got off of school. And we would just talk to people about abortion. And we did that all fucking day, every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but you were asking about people being able to leave. So what would happen is people would get trapped. Because young people without a lot of money would join this. They would give you a place to live, and then they give you $100 a week to live on, which is like nothing, right? And we were living in Southern California, so... What, including, not including housing? Or? So they would give you a place to live, I'll give, okay. and then give you $100 a week. Okay. So like, you could feed yourself if you were really careful. Yeah. That's about it. That's all right. <laughs> and so if you didn't have savings, you were stuck there. I mean, you were just 100% stuck. Yeah. And that happened to a lot of people, dude. I saw people that, like, weren't even into it that got stuck there. Like, there was this one guy who um, was not down for the cause. Like, he was involved in general Republican politics, but he lost his job, and he was, like, near us. So he's like, fuck, what do I do? So he moved in with us, and then we fucking hired him. And then he had nothing to do for, like, six months, and he just went around with us, and he hated every second of it. He wasn't a Christian, so he was supposed to pretend that he was a Christian. Because that was the rule. Yeah. So he had to pretend that he was a religion that he's not. He fucking um, had to do this job that he didn't really support. Like, all this shit. Um, so, yeah, but lots of people would get stuck there and end up working there for years just because they don't have any other way to support themselves. Yeah. Um, so I guess... Uh, That's why I drink. Right. Well, uh, so I guess... Uh, but you're out now. But, so, if... Um, if you had to put, like, your finger on it, what was their number one reason for uh, being pro-life? Um, well, I mean, they just thought, or, well, that, yeah, or, they just thought that abortion was murder. I mean, that's the, most yeah. pro-lifers think that, like, abortion is killing a human being. And, um, 
I have no idea what you think, but like, if most if most people if they thought abortion was like killing a human being like you or me, they would fight pretty hard to to be to, to end it at least a little bit. You know what I mean? Because um, it happens every day. You know, hundreds of abortions, <clears throat> and so. Um, but like we took it to a whole other level. Like yeah. I remember the um, the they would do a summer camp every year where they would bring in teenagers to teach them how to do all this shit, which is already kind of weird, right? And every year, like the biggest thing was they would they would uh, like give this example. They would take someone from the crowd and like put them behind the leader, and they're like, "All right, let's imagine that I had this person in a closet." And I said I, that I'm about to take this knife and I'm going to go stab this person to death. You, know. you would use whatever force was necessary to prevent me from stabbing that person to death, right? Yeah, Therefore, we should use whatever force is necessary to stop abortion. That was taught to teenagers every year in this summer camp that I went to. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that that's kind of crazy. Um... We're not gonna give so, uh, kind of, how does that influence? Uh, yeah, I guess we can you kind of like introduce and you know talk about how that maybe influenced your show? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I developed an interest in cults after escaping that. Well, how did you escape? If you don't mind this. Well, escaping means like I'm because no one was forcing you to stay there. It's just yeah. that I had this system set up where a lot of people ended up staying, and I had like family that I could go live with, and I just like grew disillusioned. Like I was. Um, I was still a true believer in the cause about a year and a half or so after, after. I had joined. But I was like, uh, even though I believed in the cause, I didn't believe in the leadership. Because like, I could see, like, I was like, I'm in a cult. These are cult leaders. These people aren't good people. And, um, and also there was other stuff. Like they would spend money recklessly. And like old people are giving us their money because they believe in this cause. And they're like going without to give to give us money and they're just like blowing it on expensive dinners and fancy liquor and shit like that like i could tell that the leadership like i i, don't know, I, just, I just knew i was in a cult so even though i was down for the cause i just didn't believe in the institution so i was kind of looking for ways to get out and still do what i was doing um but eventually i just was like it doesn't matter i just need to believe um and so i started like putting up a fight with the leadership trying to get them to change their behavior which i knew wasn't going to work and then they ended up kicking me out, which is kind of like what I was hoping for. <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> right. Well, good for you for sticking up for what you believe in and, you know. Kind of, yeah. What you I, did believe in. But I also, or, like, compromised a lot to, like, still be part of the organization yeah. before all of that. And then um, the way that influenced the kind of content that I'm making is that just gave me an interest in cults. And so I've been, inter I've been like, researching cults my whole life ever since then. So where can people see your content? Um, you can go to Twitch TV slash MacChuck Nine Millimeter. So that's M A C C H E C K Nine M M. Twitch TV slash MacChuck Nine Millimeter. Or you can also just look up Chuckleberry the Magnificent on Facebook or um, or uh, YouTube. All my shit's on yeah. there. Chuckleberry the Magnificent. So uh, what have you been uh, covering on your show late as of late? Um, so the last thing that I did yesterday was uh, I found this um, advertisement from a guy who claims to teach one-touch death techniques. And so I watched this full, like, fucking infomercial for his tutorials where he'll teach you how to kill somebody by, like, flicking them. 
that was fun. And so like what I just do is I find weird, like extreme or interesting content, usually cults, but sometimes like other stuff that's just interesting to me. Yeah. And like I watch it and talk about it. Um, I'm working on like edited videos and stuff like that about that, that sort of subject too. The main one I've been looking into recently is um, Unicult. Have you watched any of my stuff about Unicult? Yeah, that's what really, uh, well, like, we're friends and, like, we see each other all the time, but, um... We're not friends, I don't like them. <clears throat> anyway, but, uh, so whenever I saw that, I, like, I looked at it and I was watching your live stream and I, like, remember commenting, like, Chuck, what is this? <laughs> yeah, and... <laughs> like, I what did you see on the screen when you tuned in? It was about the Unicult, like, yeah. the, the one chick, <laughs> and then, uh, she's, like, I don't know, she's got, like, your hair and makeup and i guess makeup and stuff like that uh anyway so can you tell us about the unicult and um your findings i guess <laughs> yeah so far what i've been able to find so unicult is a cult on mostly online like youtube tiktok shit like that um and they have like a they have a discord where they talk to each other facebook groups that sort of thing and uh they're led by unicol unicron <laughs> Unicol Unicron is a mildly insane hippie living in Pasadena, California, who runs a cult. She describes herself as a pulp, as a, sorry, as a uh, a pop cult star. And uh, yeah, like uh, is that kind of like Jeffrey Star? Do you know who Jeffrey Star? I know is? who Jeffrey Star is. I don't know if he has a cult. Does he have a cult? That'd be dope. Probably. I would join that cult if he has one. Isn't he fucking Kanye West? That's what I heard. I heard that he's having an affair with Kanye West. I don't think so. That's what the internet tells me. It's probably true. Uh, I don't know, but I Comment below if you think um, Kanye West and Jeffree Star are fucking. Because I think they are. Um, Give a like and subscribe if you think that they (laughs) aren't. Yeah. (laughs) But Uh, no, 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 no. No, Unicole, Unicole believes that she is an alien. Um, she's an Arcturian specifically. Have you heard of Arcturians? Where are they from? Arcturius, of course. In another galaxy? They're in another dimension. Get with the program. Okay. You okay. don't know shit about okay. this, do you? Dude, and- <laughs> I know that there are infinite galaxies. Do you? Yes. Oh, of course there are. And then, um, <laughs> but specifically, she's a star seed. So some Arcturians aren't born on Arcturius. They're born on our planet as star seeds, and that's what she, that's what she is. Okay. So she's an alien. She can channel um, their like wisdom, and she can telepathically telepathically communicate with them, and give and give us their wisdom. And she's the leader of this cult. Um, I don't know. She's a character. She's really wild. And uh, yeah, man, it's just awesome. It's just like a, it's just like an amalgamation of all the craziest new age ideologies put into one like twenty three year old woman, something like that, who just got lucky and runs a fucking cult. It's really cool. I'm gonna um, join. So I remember we were watching the fights uh, the other day and uh, the other night, and you like basically like asked me to join. Yeah. And uh, so at this point, I have to ask like. How much of this is, like, satire, or is this real, or, um... Well, everything is real. I'm not, like, making any... Right, 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 <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like, uh... Um, are you, you, are you're really, like, signing up for this cult? 
I would not again. join up for Unicult if it wasn't for the videos that I'm making, if that's what you're asking. Okay. That's it. I'm very excited to join Unicult. So you'll be like a loose Unicult person, like some people are loosely Christian, I guess. Or Maybe. I don't know. Like loosely. I feel like I might be a true believer. I ordered my application. It's coming in the mail. Can you give us some of the, um, what do, what are some of the beliefs or what are some, what would be like the Ten Commandments of Unicult? Oh no, that's hard. Or, or maybe two commandments. So okay, so the first commandment of, Uni commandment of Unicult is if um, if you're going to have sex with a sex robot, you have to gain consent first. I would say that's by far the most important. How does one gain Unicult. consent? You like have conversation, wine and dine them, that kind of thing. What do you mean? How do you gain consent? Haven't you gained consent of a woman? It's the same thing with robots. What are you, some kind of bigot? Uh, what's the second commandment? I guess the second commandment <laughs> would be to um, sign up for Unicol's telepathy classes, which are five ninety nine a month, so you can telepathically oh. communicate oh. with the Arcturians. <laughs> this is uh, kind of making more sense yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, membership costs money, as far as I can tell. I don't know. I'm not a member yet. I've only ordered my application, which costs eleven dollars and eleven cents. I think this is like a poor man Scientology in a lot of ways. But I think is a lot it self-help? Or... Yeah, there's definitely a lot of self-help vibey kind of shit. Is it like guys uh, getting help talking to girls? Or is it just like your, right, your whole life thing? Or I don't know. No. Is it like every aspect of your life? Or... I don't know, man. I mean, she talks about everything. Like, um, like if I look at her Fundamentals of Unicult section on YouTube... There's, like, sermons. She has, like, Sunday sermons that she does. Those are the best. So she does, like, cam church every Sunday, which is where she does, like, a church service on YouTube, and she just does the weirdest shit. It's awesome. But, like, like the, the subjects will range from anything from, like, sex robots to, um, like, like, uh, like, how to have a good relationship with drugs. Um, like, the, the role she of say music about in her life. What she say about having a good relationship with drugs? Um, I don't find a lot to argue with her on that, which is, it's just like, take whatever you think will be beneficial to you, and then constantly, constantly examine if it's actually beneficial to you or not. It's kind of her take on it. But the funniest thing about that is I remember watch, watching a cam church one time where she has like a, like a donation bucket, like a big bucket where you would put money in to donate to the cult. And uh, it was empty, and she was showing it to everybody. And she's like, the reason this is empty is because my friend who's addicted to heroin was staying with me last night and stole all this money and left in the middle of the night. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's crazy. So, um, let's see. How, yeah, how much of, how much of your uh, thing with Unicold is satire and how much of it is real? Uh, if you are at liberty to say. Well, this may come as a shock to you, but I don't actually think that Unicol Unicron is an alien from the planet Arcturus. You you don't believe her? No. Okay, okay. All right. But I that, do, I that do, makes me feel better. I do yeah. legitimately <laughs> enjoy like like her YouTube content, and I think I would probably have fun hanging out with the other cult members. So like when I apply, like right. I'm actually going to hang out with them. Do you think they're probably like you, kind of like this is crazy, but kind of fun to watch? And... Oh no, they take it seriously, dude. Yeah, I mean, part of it is like research for the video. So I'm like, I'm I'm trying to make like a long, detailed, really well researched video about the cult because a lot of the the media coverage of it has been really shitty. Has there been much media coverage? Yeah. 
Like, uh, uh, Vice did one that was really popular. Oh, really? MTV. I'll check that out. But they all try to make it out to be, like, this really destructive thing. I don't think... I think most people just don't realize there are there is such a thing as a benevolent cult. Like, a cult that really means well for its followers. That shit exists. Um, but then even among cults where the leaders have the best interest of the followers in mind, there's still a wide spectrum of how dangerous it can be. Like, if you think about... Have you heard of the Heaven's Gate cult? Yeah. Right, so those were true believers. The guy who ran it was a true believer. He killed himself, but like they all fucking died. So that still wasn't a good thing. Um, Unicult, I think that everybody's kind of a true believer. I think Unicult, Unicron really does care about her followers and wants to benevolently brainwash them. So I don't think that like, I don't think people are going to be drinking like cyanide lace Kool-Aid in this cult. I think most people are going there and just like um, finding a community community that they can connect with and like, uh, you know, learning things that might help their life. But I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if my opinion of them changes when I start interacting with the members more. And start like charging how more, really more money. That too. I wonder how yeah. much money I'm going to get taken for. That might be part of it. So Six dollars isn't the worst. Five ninety nine isn't the worst ever. So far, I spent exactly eleven dollars and eleven cents. So we'll see. I don't know. Like uh, maybe she'll she'll say that she's gonna charge me for membership after I've applied. I wouldn't be surprised about that. We'll find out. I just don't know yet. Was it? Um, did the her uh, website address end in fans only? No, but it is like a sketchy ass URL. It's like a U N I V three R S. Three dot like some <laughs> weird extension. <laughs> That's funny. Um, all right, so uh, enough of that. So, how did you uh, get into jujitsu? Uh, so yeah, like I um, I didn't grow up doing any like athletic stuff really. No like, sports. No, like I was kind of interested in MMA and fighting and stuff like that. So every once in a while, I would like start something. But I would, like, stop it, like, a month or two later. So, like, I joined the wrestling team, and then I got suspended because I, like, got in a fight with somebody at school. And uh, they made me take two weeks off. And during that two weeks, I ate just, like, a bunch of pizza, and they fucked off. And then I just did not want to go back to class after that. So I did I did wrestling for, like, a month. Or, like, I would sign up for judo, and I would do, do judo for, like, a couple months and just give up because my back hurt. Like, shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just didn't have the, an athletic bone in my body. And then when I was, um, like, 29 or something like that, um, I was just, like, super fat and depressed and felt shitty all the time. And I didn't know what to do about it because I didn't feel like I could stop eating junk food and shit all the time. I didn't feel like I could stop What do you mean by fat, though? Because you're, like, a thin guy. So the... I was above 300 pounds at some point in my life. No way. The, The part where I'm talking about when I was, like, 29 years old, I think I was, like, 280. But I had been heavier before that. That blows my brain, or that blows my mind. Dude, it trips me out too. And so then, you've lost over a hundred pounds. Yeah, exactly. I'm like around one sixty right now. And how so, did you lose a hundred pounds? Well, I don't know. We're bouncing around a lot. The yeah, main, the main reason did... I lost. So look, let's back up. So what happened yeah. was I was fat as shit, and I drank yeah. all the time. I drank tons of alcohol, ate a bunch of crappy shit all the time. Beer. Yeah, exactly. And I thought that I like couldn't stop. Like, I was, like, addicted to it. And then I took acid a couple times, and, and, like, that convinced me that I could make all these changes. 
And so I just thought, like, so I just, like, started working out, eating healthier and shit like that. And, like, it was, like, dramatic. Like, the pounds started dropping off. Um, after the, the, like, the third trip that I had, it was, like, the, like a really big acid trip that I had, um, I just stopped drinking altogether. Just didn't fucking drink for, like, months. And, um, and then I started working out and stuff like that, which I had never done really before other than for brief spurts. And, um... I just thought that, like, obviously working out was making me feel better. Like, um, I had bad depression and anxiety. And I didn't feel like I even stood a chance of, like, overcoming those unless I got healthier. Because I just felt like shit all the time. And it was exacerbating all my mental health issues and that sort of thing. Um, And then that trip convinced me that I could stop eating unhealthily, that I could stop drinking, and that I could work out. And so um, I just started doing all that stuff. But I still was having a hard time with the working out thing because I just wasn't used to it. So I thought I I needed to find something to motivate myself to work out apart from just the fact that it was making me feel better. And I was like, oh, well, I'm into this MMA shit. Like, I'll just fucking do jiu-jitsu. And then I just got, like, (laughs) badly addicted to it. And it just consumed my life. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you've been, like, um, regularly competing in tournaments. Oh, uh, do you have any uh, plans of being in any tournaments? I hope so. I just got hurt recently, so I've been taking some time off. So, yeah, I mean, as soon as I'm better and I've been practicing for a while, I'll yeah. go back to competition. I really like that. Is there any best way that you prepare for a competition? Well, I mean, I haven't done, like, that many, so I don't feel like I'm an expert. How many have you like done? That. I've done three. Okay. But how do you how do you prepare? Or do you have any do's or don'ts? That you found for yourself? Well, um, don't do what I do. Because what I do is not a good idea. What I usually do is I try to like, okay, well I'm going to go one weight class under whatever I'm at right now. And then I get stressed because of work and shit like that. And I, and I fail at that. So then I like change my registration to the higher weight class. And then I get my ass kicked. So I wouldn't do that. Right. And um, just uh, one, uh, one of my uh, kitties. Uh, one of my... Uh, things that I would say for a jiu-jitsu competition is uh, if you are, I don't know, I wouldn't cut weight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they don't make you weigh in right before, but chances are you'll get lumped in on weight classes, and you know, I would just do, like, a weight. You might even have to weigh in with your gi, you know? Uh, definitely find that out beforehand. Yeah. And uh, do all that. So, I would, I would not recommend cutting a bunch of weight, if any, for jiu-jitsu, and a lot of people like like to sign up for absolute anyway, <laughs> right? Um, so yeah, I mean, there's that too. And, yeah, uh, what I need to do yeah. is I need to like keep my weight consistent before I decide to join up, yeah. sign up for a tournament, and then just compete at whatever my natural weight. Yeah, is. there's there's no I don't think of, um, there's any real you know benefit in like same especially with same day weigh ins. Yeah, that's you nice. know that's tough. You, you're gonna have to. You know, jiu-jitsu match and... But see, like, like I, I haven't actually ever cut weight for a jiu-jitsu tournament. But what I would do is, like, I would decide that I want to do a lower weight class than what I am, like, a month or two ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And then I just don't put in the, the willpower to, like, make sure that I meet that weight at that yeah. time. So a few weeks ahead of time, a few weeks before the tournament, I always just, like, change my fucking registration. Yeah. <laughs> no, I hear you. And... Uh, at one jiu-jitsu tournament I was at, they're like, "All right, we're gonna do uh, 186 pounds and up." 
So I'm like, you know, good thing I didn't cut weight to get under. Yeah, the I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we're we're doing absolute. Like, good thing I didn't pay for absolute either. You know, but yeah, that's basically absolute, just without yeah. calling it that. Right, right. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So, any uh, people, places, or events to shout out? Uh, we'll definitely go to Twitch.tv/MacTruck9mm, and then search for Chuckleberry the Magnificent on YouTube, and make sure that you uh, you sign up for that shit. Yeah, uh, and definitely Clint Baldwin on Messenger. If you all would like, if anybody would like to talk, or you know, if you're interested in anything or have any uh, knowledge about a certain subject, like let's talk about it. Or like to compete, you know. Uh, shout out to Three Sixty Faith Barbershop here in Lincoln. Shout out to Capital City Jiu Jitsu. Shout out to Lincoln Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Shout out to uh, everybody. Yeah, I have questions for you. Can I ask you questions? Oh, a hundred percent. So, um, this might be a little serious, so if you want to cut this out, I understand. This is kind of getting personal. But would you rather fight a horse-sized Anderson Silva or 12 duck-sized Colby Covingtons? The ducks. The ducks? Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. So, is cereal soup? Uh, no, I feel like... Wrong soup. answer. And then, what is your online banking password? Uh... You can just write it down here so that people yeah. can see it. If you want. That makes sense. Anyway, man, right. it's been real. Balls and wieners, one, two, three. <laughs> just kidding. Alright, well, definitely thanks a lot, Chuck. Yeah, man. That's Chuckleberry the Magnificent. And, uh, you know, hit me up. Let's go. Thank you.